Okay, and welcome back to Fastship Performance then. Uh, my name is Tim Davies, and today we're going to talk a little bit about something called the Noland Principles. What are the Noland Principles, I hear you ask? Absolutely fine, because I don't know much about them either when I was in the military, and I spent 20 years in the military. So, um, But it, the Noland Principles really are um, to do with how is to do with the ethical standards of operating within public life in effect uh, in a public orientated company or government or something like that or indeed the military although we never really talked about these in the military or even knew about them but we have our own um, kind of guidelines really that come up with things like in the Royal Air Force it was um, respect integrity service and excellence and the Navy and the Army have slightly different ones but they all kind of fall out of this in some way so there's seven principles uh, or seven um yeah, pretty much seven principles. That's that's what it is, and they, they the principles themselves haven't changed uh, since they came into uh, fruition back in 1994 under Lord Nolan, who um, basically under the UK government under under uh, John Major, who established a committee basically on the on these standards in public life. It was to do with the cash for questions affair and all that. So um, Lord Nolan was tasked with making these recommendations to improve standards of behaviour in effect in public life, and so. Th- the report that came out established the seven principles of public life known as Nolan Principles. Now, that's about 24 years ago. And they're still as relevant today as they were back then. So what we're going to do is we're going to leap through these like um, a huge herd of galloping ponies. And I will add into them basically where I think in the service there was a relevance or where they or how they sort of reflected into service life, which you might be interested or not in. But if, you, if you're not in public life, I work in the private sector now and some of the places I work in could really use with looking at these and trying to adopt these because there's always um, a negative gain if you if you dismiss these principles out of hand or any of them really down the line. You know, you might win one bid by being a bit duplicious, but that's going to catch you out in the future. It really is. I'm working with some good companies right now. I'm kind of fortunate that I, I can work with good companies and get paid a reasonable amount of money for that. Um, get paid the remuneration for it's a, it's a what is it it's the money you get for the sacrifice of your time and, and experience in effect so I'm actually lucky that the people I work with are, are good people and I have turned down many companies that I really didn't want to work with so I'm quite fortunate there let's go through these then there's seven of them seven Nolan principles so I'm going to read them out first and then we will uh, go back and just really look at what each one of them means the first one is selflessness then it's integrity, objectivity, accountability, openness, honesty, and the last one is leadership. Yeah, I get what you're thinking. Well, we do that anyway. They're all a bit fluffy. Well, yeah, they kind of are and they kind of aren't really. We'll go through them now, but um, it's quite interesting how if you were to take any one of these out of these, any of these principles, you'd remove one of them. You, you actually kind of leave an area of exploitation potentially uh, and that's why I think they were written that way now back in 94 they haven't changed that much I think the last update was 2015 so we can use either the original um, definitions or we can use the 2015 definitions and the 2015 definitions are slightly shorter actually so I think we'll probably jump onto those uh, yeah jump onto those so let's have a chat about them we'll go through them all because you've probably forgotten what was on the list anyway 
And it's worth, um, as I said, when we go through each one of these, they kind of interestingly resemble what I'm going through at the moment with about 650 people in the 12 months of the Awesome Warrior program on Facebook. I don't like it being on Facebook. No one likes it being on Facebook, but it's uh, an easy way for people to interact. Next year, I'll probably combine it with Fastship Performance and put it onto its own website that I'm getting built at the moment. At the moment, I can't do that, of course, because um, it's just too expensive and everything else. And it's much easier I like, just nip on there quickly whilst I'm transitioning out of the military and, and help people understand the um, the main tenets of what we were doing with air combat and how they apply to individuals growing through a flying training system. So that's what 12 months is all about. Um, this month, we're about to leap into something which is about engagement. Uh, I know we're halfway through the month, but that's fine. We kind of extended the last month a bit because I had to go to the Czech Republic to buy some fighter planes or whatever. But either way, work does get in the way. Um, this month is about being present in the workplace, engaging with people and um, understanding who you really are so you can move forward. It's all a bit deep. And if you haven't been in the program yet, no point joining, really. Let it run. I'll write a book or something and you can read it. Um, so some of these have influenced have influenced what I'm talking about, as I said, online. 6,000 people are in fast ship performance. About 10% of those are in the 12 months program. So selflessness is the first one of these um, principles. Now, I selflessness... Yeah, so one of our months was ownership. I think it was April, ownership April. Uh, ownership is very important in, in fast jet flying and selflessness is kind of part of that really. And you're going to see how these all kind of entwine in what I'm sort of doing in the program. So selflessness then. Here it says, holders of public office should act solely in terms of the public interest. Well, there's no surprise there, is there really? I mean, that's exactly how in the military it was, there was... It was all about the team. It wasn't about the individual. And if you are about the individual, you get found out pretty quick and then you kind of get removed because there's no place for an individual within um, a force as the military that goes out, obviously, and teamwork's very important. So selflessness, what does that mean then, selflessness in your business? If you are in a private business, what would that mean um, if you were working and you adopted these seven things? How could you... This is, the, this is where I get a bit... I kind of fall over a little bit because... Obviously, working in the private sector now, self-promotion is actually quite important. What I try and do is I promote the work of the guys or the girls next to me, knowing that there is a return on that in the future. There will be a return, maybe not from them, but the return, well, I'm a big karma fan. I have to be in the world I've lived in. Um, so I I think by promoting other people ahead of myself, which is what I try to do in the military as a flight commander, is I try to get the people that I wrote reports on to outgrow me. And I think that's what you should do as a leader is try and get people underneath you to outgrow you um, and to pass you. Uh, if you do that, then the whole, and that filters down, then the whole organization grows. Um, so it's very easy in the public sector then to be full of self-promotion. I'm really reluctant to do that. And it's not natural for people that have come out in the military to do that either. But sometimes it kind of bites me. So selflessness, holders of public office should act solely in the terms of the public interest. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. And did we see that in the military? Not all the time. It'd be nice if we did. But again, you know, how do you become one of those very senior ranks? You have to kind of push your own agenda slightly. Not that I like that. Not that I ever did. And therefore, I didn't get up to those kind of ranks. But I'm happy with it. I get a pension. I'm fine. So selflessness. Think about maybe how that can go into your business or in your, in your life. It's, um, it's a difficult one, as I said, because you want to tell people how great you are the whole time. But actually, I think it's really important that you tell people how great people next to you are the whole time, and it will feed back into you. I like selflessness. The next one, again, is um, along the same lines then, and that's integrity. That's actually one of the core ethos and values of the Royal Air Force. As I said, respect, integrity, service, and excellence. I'm going to have to get some tea on in a second. I've got one next to me here. 
Integrity, it says here, holders of public office must avoid placing themselves under any obligation to people or organizations that might try inappropriately to influence them then in their work. Uh, they should not act or take decisions to gain financial or other material benefits for themselves, their family, their friends. They must declare and resolve any interests and relationships. So interestingly, I was out doing some work, as I said, overseas. I was in the Czech Republic doing something. And um, I was given a bottle of wine by people we were seeing out there. What I have to do now is come back. Actually, I left it in, I left it in Prague because um, I could, I, I, the bag I use is one of the soft military bags, one of the big black bags. Um, you can't carry fluids through. I had no time to drink it. I'm not a massive wine guy either. But it was a local wine. It was really nice of them to give it to us. So I left it um, for the hotel staff. I said, here, have some wine. But I've still got to come back and declare that now. Um, that's a bottle of wine today and tomorrow, you know, it could be anything and stuff. And you've got to be very careful. Um, I know people that have sat in rooms, people in the Air Force that have been given watches by Breitling, <laughs> you know, uh, Rolex after the, um, we know Rolex after the, um, all the award ceremonies, Oscars and everything else, they hand out Rolexes to all those film people, all those actors and actresses and directors hoping they're going to wear them and stuff. I doubt that kind of gets declared, but should it, you know, I don't know. I feel better knowing that I'm not uh, indebted to anyone in that respect. So if someone gives me something, whatever, and I'm quite good like that, I think, on the site. Um, I just promoted an article I've written in Aviation News because Aviation News asked me to promote it. I got paid for that article, a couple hundred pit, uh, a couple hundred pounds. It wasn't much at all. And with hindsight, that's not worth the time I spent on it whatsoever. Um, I spent a long time writing and researching that article. And it's quite a long article, three and a half thousand words i got paid about 200 pounds and the magazine company said can you put it on your site and socialize it uh, amongst your readers and of course i can i don't mind doing that for them but i'm telling people that i'm doing it because uh, you know I, I wrote in the i wrote in there and stuff i'm i'm obviously making money out of that article which you kind of have to because writing something i do right and you've got to pay a mortgage and mortgage is ridiculous and the pension isn't as good as i thought it'd be right so how then can you look at integrity in your workplace so what does it mean? Well, what is integrity, really? If you can look up a definition, integrity, as we all know, is doing the right thing, even though no one is looking. And that's a really interesting one. When you break that down, doing the right thing, even though no one is looking. And that's, that's why integrity is in there in the core ethos and values of the Royal Air Force, because we know that even when no one's going to look at what you've done or know it was you, by doing the right thing furthers the organization. And you want to be furthering the organization because you're in it. And if you don't further it, then there's every chance you're going to weaken it. And if you weaken the organization, you know, there's every chance you're going to die doing what you do. Um, in my case, an engineer might miss something on the airplane or I might do something stupid because, um, because I've been duplicious and haven't, I've shortcutted something, you know what I mean? And then I might fly myself into the ground or another aircraft or kill a student or something like that. So integrity was very important to us. Um, we were non-compromising on that or uncompromising, sorry, on integrity. And if we found, and we never did, by the way, because all the people that come into the Air Force, um, Obviously, I was in the Navy before. That's exactly the same in the Army and all these services and NHS and everyone else. Um, all these people self-select before they go in. So you decide that you want to go into the military and you think, can I uphold the values of the military? And you know what they are because you've seen people marching around in polishing boots and everything. And you think you've got to be quite disciplined to do that. And you, you've got to be kind and you've got to be quite fit. So you self-discipline. And then the, the service turns around to you after a very lengthy process and it says, mm, yeah, I think you're going to fit in or not fit in. And if it thinks you're not going to fit in, then it doesn't let you in. If it thinks you're going to fit in, then it lets you in. And so it's looking for those qualities. Is this person, does do they have integrity? And so you don't employ people that don't. And I must admit, I didn't, I don't think I met anyone in my 20 years 
that I didn't believe had the interests of the service at heart. Towards the end, when you come to leave, and the reason I left, or one of the reasons I left, is I was getting a bit bitter towards the the, the way the service had changed. And we don't need to go into that now. I I liked the service, and I would go back tomorrow. But then why wouldn't I? When I just said that, I would go back, and I would be in the service. I just lived in Anglesey for too long um, and it's it's kind of bleak up there and you, you're you not connecting with the right people. My mum's in Portsmouth and, you know, my sisters are down in Portsmouth. So when you're in Anglesey, it's, it's not right. I need to go and see them more. It's easier from where I am now in Hertf- in Herefordshire. And also the, the pay, the two years of pay freeze plus the 1% over eight years uh, meant I was on a pay cut. And that pay cut, even now when they say, okay, so have 27 or 3%, whatever inflation is, um, back again, you still missed out on that chunk and you started to feel that things were becoming more expensive and I felt I was letting my wife down by not being in a job um, that was paying well enough for us, which is silly. So, but being in the service, I, I would go back there tomorrow because I know people in there have integrity, if that makes sense. And I go to some of these private companies, I work for quite a few companies and sometimes I, I move on quickly because I realize or interview with a company and I've got some stories about them and I think I don't want to work in this business because I feel that I might have to compromise my integrity for their profit and that's not what I want to do arguably we probably all do that to a certain extent but I'll try and minimize that because I don't want to have to think about it when I go to bed at night I want to be able to live a a life where I think I've lived as wholesomely as I can and I've done the right thing for other people let's carry on shall we the next one then was objectivity so holders of public life must act and take decisions impartially fairly and on merit using the best evidence and without discrimination or bias. Yeah, that's that's reasonable. I know this doesn't happen, by the way, all the time. Um, I know, yeah. Okay, so here's one then. Here's one where we talk about holders of public office must act and take decisions impartially, fairly, and on merit, using the best evidence without, without discrimination or bias. So at Farmer Airshow, BA Systems released uh, this future aircraft mock-up called the Tempest. Standing next to it was the Chief of Air Staff and a whole world of other Air Force people. Now, I know British industry is important, and I totally get that. But would they be doing that for every manufacturer that was coming up with a new aeroplane? You know, arguably, I don't know. Maybe they would. British industry is important. Maybe that's why they stand next to BA's Tempest. I, I, I get that. Is that... Are they then... Is that fair? Is it meritable? Is it using the best evidence and without discrimination or bias? Or are they biasing one manufacturer over another? You see what I mean? It's like we're aligning ourselves, aren't we? I mean, I get it. I get why it happens. I don't feel comfortable with it. And in the Air Force, I was never comfortable really promoting the the Hawk T2 for BA Systems because we flew it. You do what you're told, of course. I always felt that surely that's promoting a commercial organization, which it is. And I didn't ever want to do that. But that was me. So you see how difficult these things are. Um, how do you act and take decisions impartially, fairly or on merit? And I don't want to go into ascent flight training or UK MFTS, UK MFTS really because I'm over that now and I moved on from it and it was a mess and it still is a mess in many areas. But yeah, I, I always felt difficulty in having to send my guys down to write courseware for an organisation that had been paid a lot of money by the public purse to actually come in and deliver that flying training. That's what I mean. You know, can you be... Are we are those decisions then impartial? So objectivity, that's the nearest, that's an interesting one. Fairly and on merit. Yeah. Must act and take decisions impartially. It can be difficult, especially when you're in a private organization. You don't have to be impartial there, do you? You want your own best interests at heart, and I fully get that. Difficult one. Let's move on. Accountability. Right. This is important. This is what I looked at with ownership. 
Um, this is this is the difficult one as well, I suppose, but it's difficult for a lot of people because a lot of the actions that you do in your business or, or for the, the public sector, you're being accountable for another structure that you operate within, if you see what I mean. So you might make a decision because your boss is saying, we need to go and shut that, I know, that um, oil rig down or let's pin you in the oil industry. We're going to shut the oil rig down. And you think, well, I don't want to. I don't want to lose all the jobs of the oil workers. I have to, them have to go and work on another rig or something. I'd like to keep it open. But so you're responsible now for really kind of all those people losing their jobs or maybe being, I'm using a random example, of course. But well, what does it say here? Holders of public office are accountable to the public for their decisions and actions must submit themselves to the, and must submit themselves to the scrutiny necessary to ensure this. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? So you're accountable for something that your boss wants you to do. And I always found that a little bit difficult in the military. I felt sometimes when times were tough, yeah, you've got to, you've got to do what your boss tells you to do. Interestingly, we're never really ordered to do stuff. It's There's never like, I order you to do this. I don't know whether people in the military, not in the military, realize this. In the military, you think you're always ordered to do stuff. You're not ordered. You're, you're, you're told, look, this is a great idea. Let's do this. And the boss will always try and get buy-in for it because the last thing he wants, the last thing I wanted when I was running my instructors was them doing things they didn't want to do. And that's what leadership is, isn't it? It's getting other people to do something you want to do because they want to do it. And we'll talk about that in a minute at the very end. But accountability, the other thing you have to do, of course, when you, you do have to socialize the wishes of your boss is you have to not tell your people that you don't agree with them, if you see what I mean. And that's what accountability kind of, is it's being responsible for the decisions that you take that's what ownership is is especially if you make a mistake it's saying yeah i made that mistake and i'm going to go and do something i'm going to learn from it and do something about it accountability does not always happen in the private sector and it doesn't always happen in the public sector and we see a lot of this with the national health service and the police force as well um, not just in the military these are other public sectors where we see people making decisions and, and not being held to account for them and I think that is one thing that really upsets people, really upsets the workforce when someone in management does something and then doesn't actually apologise for it. Whatever, we're all fallible, right? The next one then, we've got three more to go, is openness. So holders of public office should act and take decisions in an open and transparent manner. Information should not be withheld from the public unless there are clear and lawful reasons for doing so. And in the military, that was difficult, of course, because... Although there's freedom of information requests you can put in, sometimes you don't want things to go off the squadron. Now, when I was on the Tornado Squadron, I was on a squadron, I was on a base with four squadrons. Um, there was 12, uh, 14, 617, and then 15 was the operational conversion unit up in Lossiemouth. Sometimes, if you'd made an error or something, you wouldn't want that going around the base because other squadrons would, you know, the, the power base on the on the power would, would shift on the base, as it were. Um, if it was a if it was a safety issue, of course, you'd have to put a safety report in. Um, but if you if something had happened uh, down route or in one of the exercises, you might want to kind of keep that to yourself and normally get out anyway. And that's the sort of thing we looked at in the military is like it's going to get out. Let's be the people to get it out first, um, so that we can you know not put our spin on it, but we can tell it like it was, so no one else puts a spin on it. If you see what I mean. And I always believe in that. Sometimes that's a really hard thing to do, especially when you made a mistake flying and. You're like, oh, the first thing that normally comes through your head when you made a mistake flying is, can I get away with this? And I hate to say that, but that still happened to me. Even in my last year flying, I was like, oh, can I get away with this? And then immediately I snap out and go, hang on a second, you're the most senior flying instructor on this base. You are the guy to go back and to tell everyone that you've made a mistake. 
People don't go to work to do malicious acts. I've, I've absolutely, 100%, I, I agree with that. I, I think you go to work to do the best you possibly can. There are some people who have been beaten down so much that are like, can I just survive another day before they sack me? And I get that. That always happens in any organization, but especially organizations that where you're not inspired by um, effective leadership. However, I believe people always go and try and do a reasonable job at work. Openness then is that willingness to put your head above the parapet and say, parapet and just say look I made a mistake here and I'm sorry about it and I'm gonna do something about it and this is what the mistake is and just to put that out there so other people can learn from it that I don't see happening that much in the private sector that I work in at the moment I don't see it and I understand why because people feel if they did that then the competition would take advantage of it and I fully appreciate that I just think that the healthiest businesses that I've ever worked in are ones he says having worked in businesses for literally months but the healthiest organizations that I've ever worked in are the ones that are most open. Yeah, that's valid. I think that's valid. That's good. So openness, you know, have a think about how you can be more open in your workplace. People really like other people who are really open and honest and tell people when they've made a mistake. Now, we all worry about being sacked. I get that. You get that. Everyone gets that. But generally, I think you're going to be sacked anyway. So you may as well be open about it and, and you know, put your mistakes out there and tell people how you're going to not do that again and how you've learned from it. And we will understand the value in that, of course. Okay, two more then, and we'll jump through these. And these are honesty and leadership. So these are pretty obvious, aren't they? Honesty, holders of public office should be truthful. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, they should be truthful. They shouldn't be duplicitous. They shouldn't obfuscate. This is a great word to go and look up, sort of bending the truth. Um, and that's not always the case I was on a squadron where we had a report written by some psychologists into the safety of the squadron. And that report, it didn't make it off the squadron. And I understand why. It was commercial in confidence. And it didn't need to really be made off to actually be released from the squadron. But the changes that the report were saying was nece or were necessary were slow in coming. Um, and it was felt that... How, what's the best way of putting this? It would be more honest if we told other squadrons within the Royal Air Force the problems that we had. Now, that is entirely valid today because I get emails from people working within UK MFTS, United Kingdom Military Flying Training System, who are having very, very similar problems to when the squadron I was on was born. And if we socialize, and I use that word liberally because I think it's a great word to use. If we put that content out of our struggle in the early days when we almost flew into other people and killed people and stuff, we may have found less problems in the rest of the flying training system. And I have to answer emails every day from different instructors asking me about what happened on my squadron because those lessons were not learned and they weren't put out there for other people to learn from. And that to me is, is almost... I'm not going to say criminal because that's a ridiculous thing to say because it's not criminal, but it is negligent. It is something that we should have done. I'm not ranting here because I'm out of that now and it's fine. And my life is a lot better for doing so. A lot less stress in my life right now. But uh, there's a lot of stress in the people I left behind. And I, I do feel that I, I could have done more there. In fact, there was a report that came out and, and I've allowed someone to have that on the squadron and said, read this, send it to your boss, send it to the next squadron next year and, and keep it going and make sure everyone gets sight of this paper because... I mean, it was six years old now, but there's lessons within that that are very important. And it was only, I sent paragraphs from it anyway. It's, it's one of those things. It's just stuff that I'd written a long time ago about the struggles we're going through because it's important 
that those lessons are learned. There's no point learning them again. And the last thing I want to do is have someone fly into the ground because they haven't understood or, or learned the lessons from something previous. So honesty is a really important one. If you can't be honest, you know, what are you doing in, in life if you're leading a dishonest life? I mean, how do you how do you sleep? Right. And it's all balance. It's all variations. I get that, guys. I really do. Last one, then leadership. So this is the last principle of public life then. And leadership can apply not only to the senior management team, it applies at all levels, all the way down. And a lot of the pe- people I coach, and I'm not doing coaching at the moment, uh, I'm having a bit of a break from that. But um, a lot of the people I would coach would be the people right at the very bottom, struggling to get up that little career ladder in their early 30s. Um, and they still had a leadership role. They didn't even realize it, but their leadership role is almost like reversed. You know, they're almost leading their boss. It's uh, managing your boss, isn't it? But so holders of public office should exhibit these principles in their own behavior. They should actively promote and robustly support the principles and be willing to challenge poor behavior wherever it occurs. It's very difficult to challenge poor behavior wherever it occurs if that poor behavior is coming from you as a leader, if that makes sense. This is why if you hold on to these seven principles, and we'll recap at the very end here because 25 minutes sounds a pretty good time to stop. If you hold these ones, then you can uphold them with other people and you can challenge poor behavior if you're not objective or you're not an open person and you hide things people know that you, you, you question your integrity is being questioned then yeah it's very difficult now to to challenge other people about these things because they will just laugh at you so this is why sometimes i think this breaks down when people decide they want to promote or they want to i don't know make a great deal or something and, and get loads of bonuses and stuff and they start dropping these and that's why we see this this um, or negative discourse, I suppose, about senior management and leadership, especially in the public sector services, because I think somewhere along the line, they've allowed this to slip. They've compromised on their integrity or whatever it might be. I hope that's helped a little bit. Leadership in the Air Force was a very interesting thing. Um, there's a lot of great leaders in the Air Force, and there are people that obviously are promoted and stuff, and that's absolutely fine, and you probably wouldn't follow them anywhere. But they're more management than leadership, if you see what I mean. Leadership is a very different, difficult thing to, you know, are leaders born, are they made? It's that whole kind of thing. I think you can do a lot for making a leader, definitely, if you give them the opportunities to develop into a leader, if that makes sense. If you don't give them those opportunities, and therefore sometimes it's quite poor at doing that, especially as adventure training now is pretty much dropped off the radar and all sorts of things. I always felt the, the Air Force was poor at doing this. The Air Force tended to wait for you to be good enough to go into the role before it promoted you, whereas the Navy would give you a chance. It would say, right, I think we need a flight commander or whatever, and you're almost there, so I'm going to throw you in and you're going to sink or swim. And invariably, 99% of the time, people would swim. I remember one of my guys, I'm just going off on a bit of a side tangent here, I had to make him, um, what was his role in the end? I made him senior something or other, I can't remember what it was, but he didn't feel he was going to be ready for it. In fact, I'm not going to tell you what it was because it will identify the individual, but I know exactly what it was. Um, and I wanted to make this guy this. And he didn't believe that he could do it. It was a, And it is a big job I, I made him do. Uh, but I knew he could better than anyone else. And that's why I wanted to give it to him. He was a humble guy. Um, he was a great pilot. So we knew that that part was taken care of. And this role had quite a lot of management, quite a lot of safety-orientated stuff within it as well, but a lot of management of process. And it's going to be quite difficult for anyone to do. I knew he could do it. And he was in my office like every single day, before I, you know, I told him that I'm going to do that for him. I'm going to. This is going to be a great step in his career. And for the week before I did it, he was in my 
office every day telling me he wasn't ready for it. He didn't want to do it. It was, And I had to give it to him. This is what you do. And within two weeks, well, as soon as I gave it to him, really, he realized it was possible with a bit of work. And within two weeks, he came back and said, you know, thank you for that opportunity. He obviously, I'd seen something in him he couldn't see in himself. And I'd helped him grow out of somewhere where he felt he was stuck. And I'm sure he would have done the same thing for me if he was uh, if those positions were reversed. He's a great guy. He's out of the service now, living a great life um, over in mainland Europe somewhere. I'm hoping to keep in contact with him for, um, for, the, for the future. Really nice guy. So leadership then. Okay, cool. I think that's it. Let's recap, shall we? Selflessness. Integrity, spoke about that. Objectivity, accountability, which is kind of ownership, owning your mistakes, isn't it? Own your mistakes. Openness, honesty, those two are together. And then leadership. This is about 30 minutes, isn't it? 30 minutes. I hope I haven't ranted. I don't think I was ranting. I wasn't really ranting on the last one about Richard Russell, but I'm still a bit upset by that, to be honest with you. Um, I think that's just the sign of the times, isn't it? We'll get tied up in uh, other things. Richard Russell was the guy that stole um, the Dash 8 and then unfortunately ran out of fuel and crashed into the ground. I don't think he's ever going to land that airplane, as we said. But hopefully you've got something out of the seven principles of public life or the uh, Nolan principles and maybe see how they can be applied to to your workplace or just your life in general, okay? Um, Thanks for listening then, guys. I really appreciate it. I'm going to do a podcast soon. I did say I'd go and talk about something. I think it's what I've been doing. Um, buying airplanes and all sorts of things um, around Northern Europe. But there's other stuff I want to talk to you about. So I've got a list of stuff written down. I really appreciate your time anyway. Thanks so much, Tim Davies, Fast Ship Performance. Mm-hmm.